We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Mike Kuzma, the 2016 Football Guys Players Championship $250,000 grand prize winner. In this episode, we talk about the viability of Broncos players for fantasy trying to draft a squad that could beat thousands of other teams, and how he's managed the team into the top 60 in this year's FFPC main event. Also, to kick things off in this podcast, we'll hear from 2016 FFPC main event co-champion Nelson Sousa, the winner of the $250,000 grand prize in the contest, along with his co-manager David Hubbard. Sousa discusses the declining workload of Kareem Hunt, taking chances with borderline playoff teams to get them into the top four, and much more. You can follow Sousa on Twitter at the underscore franchise 12. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, let's check in with the champ, Nelson Sousa. 
Hunt. He barely played in half the snaps for Kansas City this past weekend. This is a continues a trend of him getting used less and less uh, by Kansas City. How concerned are you that this could eventually turn into a committee with Sharkandrick West down the stretch in order to keep Hunt fresh for the playoffs? I, I would be concerned uh, because of that, because that's what I think is happening, is they're, they're a playoff-caliber team. Uh, they don't care about our fantasy teams. Um, so Andy Reid's looking at it as, you know what, we got to keep this kid fresh because we're going to ride him, you know, come down the stretch, you know, for the playoffs. So uh, that's, I, I think, what you're seeing is he's playing less and less on passing downs uh, and he's getting sucked in a little bit uh, every once in a while. So, I, unfortunately, I think that's what you're going to uh, you're going to see here down the stretch. And you got to keep starting him, obviously, but this is just a, you know, a red flag for anybody who still sees Sharkandrick West on their waiver wire. Make sure that you go and add him. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, West, re- regardless, even without the playing time, is a great handcuff uh, for, you know, non-hunt owners because at any point, you know, it's the NFL. You can get an injury, and I think West actually would be really good in that offense. We uh, we had the NFL trade deadline last week. This week could be the first week we see in Buffalo Kelvin Benjamin and Charles Clay playing next to each other. Given, um, you know, how they are similar types of players and, and you know, big body possession type guys that run similar routes, how likely do you think it is that both of them retain their fantasy value and keep producing now that they're teammates? Uh, I, I really think that they're both going to be valuable because, um, it's an offense that is run heavy, but I, I also think the coach doesn't want to go run shady into the ground. They have no viable, uh, backups. Uh, Mike Tolbert is, you know, he's just a guy, uh, nothing special. So I think they want to get something out of the passing game. Part of the reason why they, they made that trade. Uh, I don't think they're getting anything out of Jordan Matthews. You know, same thing with him. He's just a guy. So uh, I, I think, you know, be- between Benjamin and Clay, they're going to see the majority of the target share uh, in that offense besides, uh, you know, Shady. We are basically through half of the NFL season at this point. As you look back to draft season and, and all those teams you guys drafted in Vegas and online, what's the who's the one guy that you were – at this point in the season that you were really happy to get on a lot of teams and then uh, conversely a guy that you wish you would have gotten more uh, shares of? Uh, I'll go with the guy that I wish uh, I own more uh, because that's fresh in my memory. There's definitely Le'Veon Bell. Um, there's probably plenty of times where he, you know, we, we took David Johnson, obviously, you know, injuries, you can't account for that. Uh, but I, I was thinking Bell with that whole situation where he was holding out, uh, making rap videos during, you know, the preseason. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be one of those, you know, possibly wasted seasons uh, for him. But, you know, kind of like Allen Iverson says, practice do- doesn't matter. Um, so Bell is probably the one guy that I regret not, not owning a little bit more of, uh, especially when he was going like, in the main events, he was going like third pick overall uh, once the Thursday night game happened and Hunt was going, you know, one overall. Um, the guy that we're happy uh, having at this point, uh, you know what? 
I, I don't know if we're really like in love or happy that you know any one guy that uh, we're happy with, but it would probably be like you know Melvin Gordon. We're definitely overweight on him. Uh, he's been a pretty good producer. Uh, we're overweight on Todd Gurley. Uh, he's another guy that uh, it seems like he's worked out. But I think it's more this year has been more about um, we've done a good job. I think of avoiding some of the early round, uh, what we call trap players. Uh, so, you know, we avoided some of those guys like, uh, DeMarco Murray. Um, you know, we, we weren't on, uh, you know, Devonte Freeman, you know, guys like that, that we kind of, uh, projected to, you know, be disappointments this year. We, uh, we have two more weeks left in the regular season for the Football Guys Players Championship and the FFPC main event. For those of the teams that you have, Nelson, that, that are sort of on the fringe of, of making the playoffs, teams that are you know maybe right in the middle of the pack that have a chance to, to sneak into the playoffs with a, a good couple of, of uh, next weeks, are you taking any bigger lineup risks or you know waiver wire risks in in order to um, to give that team a little bit extra of, of uh, you know explosive push to try to make sure that you sneak into the playoffs? Or are you just going to play them out how you have been uh, the majority of the season to see if they can get in that way? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's one thing that uh, Dave and I are going to be on the phone uh, all night tonight, uh, and then pretty much all day tomorrow. Because, um, you know, this is the time of the year where we kind of did a uh, quick snapshot of our uh, team portfolio. And then in the uh, football guys, we're looking at about 111 teams that uh, still are in the conversation that have, you know, some are in, some have an outside shot of getting in. So those teams that have an outside shot of getting in, we're going to have to make some hard uh, decisions as far as the roster and, you know, what to do as far as, uh, you know, lineup decisions, playing guys with higher upside. Um, it, it could mean, for example, uh, targeting a guy like uh, Chris Godwin. Uh, if Evans' suspension holds up this week, we we might pick him up and, and feel like, you know what, he's the guy that offers the most upside. Uh, we don't care if he, you know, we take a zero necessarily, but we need upside, you know, if we're, you know, let's say, you know, 50 points back uh, of a playoff spot. Um, you know, the main event, same thing. You know, it, there, there's no point in uh, having a team set up for the uh, shootout in, in the playoff race if they're not in the playoffs. So, absolutely, th- those are definitely things that we're, uh, we're looking at. Will, this week it will definitely be an exciting uh next couple of weeks both on the waiver wire and uh on the football field to uh see how these teams end up uh getting into the playoffs and and get ready for that uh, the league playoffs and then the championship sprint nelson good luck to you this coming weekend hopefully the balls bounce your way we'll talk to you again soon man all right thank you thanks to nelson Sousa for his input this week now here's two hundred fifty thousand dollar high stakes winner mike kuzma Pleased to have on the uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown this week the 2016 Football Guys Players Championship champion, Mike Kuzma. Mike, thanks for doing the show this week. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. When you are uh, not playing high stakes fantasy football and, and winning a $250,000 grand prize, what are you doing for a living? 
Uh, I actually help manage um, a medium to high-end uh, family-owned furniture store. Um, I, I schedule the incoming trucks and outgoing deliveries and um, some of the some of the accounting work and most of the time just kind of selling customers and opening and closing the store that for that that sort of thing. Accounting obviously always helps managing those fab budgets uh, throughout the season. I should ask you this uh, before we even get started. $250,000 grand prize for uh, the Football Guys Players Championship. How much of that money's left? What did you end up doing with it? Um, well, once the government took their nice chunk, <laughs> um, and I took my girlfriend and her daughter and uh, her friends on vacation to Cancun uh, back in May for we were we were there for seven days. Did a little bit of remodeling, and most of it I actually invested. Oh, there you go. Investment, vacations, it's its a great way to spend a six-figure prize for sure. I want to get into uh, to what you've done so far this season because you're having another good year. But before we get to it, I want to uh, just briefly talk about last year. Congrats on winning that grand prize. What do you remember about watching Week 16 and that final Monday night game, knowing what was on the line? And knowing, by the way, for the listeners who aren't aware, you weren't really at the top of the leaderboard coming into that week. It took a, a massive Week 16 for you to vault yourself up there. And as you're watching the games on Sunday, I got to imagine you're seeing yourself climb and climb and climb. And it, it, it uh, suddenly became a real proposition that, hey, I could win this whole thing. Yeah, actually, uh, as the games were going on Christmas Eve, um, I, I had about I wasn't actually really paying as much attention to this one because uh, I was so far down the list. Uh, and I was I was in a not so good of a mood. I had about six teams in, in different satellite leagues, and they were all going down except for one. And uh, I happened to check at the last second to, to see what this team was doing, and Arizona and Seattle were playing each other. And it was right toward the end of the game, and I had a whole bunch of guys in that game go off. So I ended up literally noticing I'm in first place, and I was like, oh, my God. So I started looking down the, down the list. I, I checked probably – all the way down to maybe 250 to see who had who left and what games were remaining. And um, the guy that was that I had just passed uh, probably was my main competition. He he had uh, I think it was C.J. Fedorowicz and Le'Veon Bell left, and I had uh, about a 12, 12, 13 point lead on him. And I had Le'Veon Bell, so they canceled each other out. And then Monday night I had Golden Tate with Cole Beasley on my bench. And so CJ Fedorowicz got him 13 points, which put me literally point, well, like one tenth of a point in the second. And uh, like that whole evening, I was just like, oh no, I need like Cole Beasley to catch one pass. He's going to get clocked by some linebacker going across the middle and <laughs> get knocked out of the game with a concussion or something. I'm going to lose. Or he, all these thoughts are going through my head and. Uh, but it ended up working out. He, he got me about 12, and I won. I think I won by 11.8. That was the final. So, as, I mean, as far as, like, family goes, you know, you mentioned your girlfriend. I, I'm just curious, like, what you probably didn't even talk to them about it going into week 16. What, at what point did you kind of share with them, uh, guys, that we have a serious situation here? I, I All year I kept saying, I like this team, I like this team. Um, and I, I kept saying, I still like this team. I don't even know what my final record was for the first 11 weeks. It might have been like six and five. I kept scoring a lot of points, but people kept beating me having their best weeks. And I went into 
the league championship in second place and lost uh, in week 12. And then week 13 rolled around, I was playing for third. I would have beat all three teams in, in my league uh, by 50 for what they scored in week 13. Uh, Russell Wilson had kind of let me down. I, I took the rest of my remaining fat budget and picked up some lame uh, quarterback just out of frustration, just so I could have a second quarterback going into the tournament. And I ended up sticking with Russell Wilson and it paid off for me. But after I had checked down through that 250, I went downstairs and they were all sitting around, my girlfriend, her daughter, and her daughter's friend. And I'm trying to explain to them about this tournament. And I was like, hey, I'm in first place in this tournament. And they're, they're just carrying on and drinking and everything else and not paying attention to me. And finally, um, her, my daughter, or her daughter's friend said, well, what do you win? I said, $250,000. Everybody got quiet. It was like crickets. And then the whole conversation was about, if you win, you're taking us to Mexico. So that's how that all, all happened. I gotcha. Wow, that's quite, quite an exciting story for sure. It was. Yeah, actually, that, that um, Monday evening, or it was a Sunday night, when I was down by a tenth of a point, and I was up with my brothers for Erie. Uh, for Christmas in Erie, PA, and uh, everybody had, there was about 20 of us, we were there for, for dinner, uh, family and friends, and everybody had basically left or went to bed that was st- that was staying at his house, and there was just me, my girlfriend, and his wife, and him sitting around, and finally I said, you know, tomorrow night, if I can get one catch from Golden Tate, I'm going to win $250,000. What? I was like, yeah. I, I said, and I, I actually contemplated putting Beasley in. And um, Dallas got the ball first, and he had about three catches on that first drive. I'm like, man, I should have started Beasley. But um, it ended up – it worked out nice for me. Um, let's talk about um, – is the, you know what you remember about assembling this squad? Because you said all season uh, how you liked this team, how how it was still putting up points, which in the FFPC and Football Guys Players Championship, it you know – doesn't necessarily matter what your record is as long as you're piling on the points every week which is what you were doing do you remember when you drafted this team were you looking at trying to win uh, a six-figure prize or were you just trying to draft the best team possible to win that 12-team league and then see what happens in the league playoffs and and then that three-week championship sprint at the end of the season yeah i was doing uh, literally right there what you just said i it was my third team i drafted um, the first one, I went real receiver heavy. I had the first pick. I took Antonio Brown. Um, the other one, I took um, – I had the fourth pick, and I took Todd Gurley, who didn't turn out so well last year. So when I had the sixth pick in this draft, um, I think it went like the big three receivers, uh, Antonio Brown, Adel Beckham, Julio Jones. I think Todd Gurley might have went fourth, and then uh, Gronk at fifth, and I grabbed David Johnson. And then coming back in the draft in the second round, uh, literally they had wiped out about the top 10 or 11 receivers were already gone, and Le'Veon Bell was still there. And I was like, okay, I know he's back healthy. People were probably ignoring that. They think he he, he had that pretty significant knee injury he was coming back from. And so I think people were shying away for that. And also, uh, he was suspended for the first three games. So I was thinking, geez, if I could just go two and one and have him coming off the bench in week four, I got David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell, assuming David Johnson pans out, because he really only lit the world on fire for about 
four weeks at the end of the year before that. So it was kind of a reach on my part because uh, there wasn't a big track record for him. Um, and then in the third round, when it came to my turn, Everybody had just literally wiped out all the receivers. The, the top 20 were already gone, and uh, LaShawn McCoy was still there. So I, I decided, okay, I could start hitting him in a flex spot. Um, so I went that route. But long story short, I was able to get um, put together a pretty nice roster. Uh, I got um, Doug Baldwin in the seventh. Uh, which was really, really low for him to drop that far, but I think people weren't buying into all the touchdowns he had scored the year prior to that. And uh, I had managed Golden Tate, I think, in the fourth. I actually – I can't remember the running back's name now. Um, I think I might have taken another running back in the fifth. He was a starter for Chicago. And consequently, later in the draft, I took his back up. And I, a few weeks into the season with a bye week situation, I cut that guy. Uh, keeping the starter instead, and that guy I ended up cutting, his name was Jordan Howard. Oh, right. So, yeah, and then I, I would have had him, McCoy, Bell, and David Johnson, which would have been awesome, but it still worked out anyway. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, go ahead. Oh, no, I was, was going to say, I grabbed Russell Wilson in the sixth, and kind of, uh, I had a couple decent tight ends, nothing spectacular, but by the time the playoffs rolled around, all those guys were on injured reserve already, so... I think I might have been rolling Jermaine Gresham or someone of that nature. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Now available at Dundrum Town Centre. So you can now use your toll tags to park in our car parks. Simply register at easytrip.ie forward slash parking. Easy parking with Easy Trip. Dundrum, where more happens. You know, that's it. That's it. First of all, <clears throat> I really appreciate the the uh, the recap on how you built this team because everybody always wants to know that. Well, you know, what what team won it all? How did he build it? And, and this is this is how you did build it. I'm curious because you went into the 2017 draft season obviously with um, you know hoping that you could maybe not you know replicate the success, but maybe replicate the process of what get, got you the success in 2016 to try to do it again this year. So you talk about what you did in this draft. You started off with three straight running backs and then took another running back in the fifth round. You waited on tight ends, and you kind of hit them in the middle uh, portions of the draft. You took two or three there and, and were able to tread water there uh, you know, all season long for these guys that, that really you know, helped keep your team not, not only average but very dominant. As you developed your draft strategy and you went into drafts this season, was there anything – that maybe one of those two things with running backs and tight ends, was there anything that you tried to copy, tried to replicate to try to, you know, gain the same success this season as you enjoyed last year? I was just going really with who I felt was the best player available when it was my turn to pick. Um, so when I was doing the, the main event, um, I was picking late in the draft, I picked ninth or 10th. And I grabbed Melvin Gordon with my first pick. And I was very pleased to get, uh, Brandon Cooks with my second. Uh, I thought he was going to have a better year than he's currently having right now. Um, and then I wanted another running. Actually, if I'd have known, I think Todd Gurley, I was sour on him from the year before that. But if I'd have known he was going to have the kind of year that he was, he's having now, I would have grabbed him in the second. But I would have probably missed out on Kareem Hunt in the third. So that still might have worked out for me that way. Yeah, definitely. it might have. But obviously, Kareem Hunt has uh, been been really crushing it for you. Uh, this season, and looking at 
you know this team in the in the main event that you have it, it's a top 60 team right now uh seven and two and actually um you are playing uh or you just i believe you just got done playing this past week uh the david hubbard austin martin nelson susan franchise <laughs> that you know this past week so we had the two uh, football guys champs and then the FFPC champs like, going against each other this past week in the main event. So obviously you're doing a lot of things right to have your team uh, in the top 60 overall in that. Um, you picked up uh, Corey Coleman on that team uh, and, and are currently waiting for him to return. It, it sounds like he's very, very close to making his return to the Browns. How good do you think Cole, uh, Coleman is going to be down the stretch this season uh, with Deshaun Kaiser tossing him the football? You know, uh, it's it's a dart throw on my part. Um, it's it's looking to me like Doug Martin might end up becoming a liability for me, um, and I'm going to need a, a solid second flex spot. Um, I could throw out Tyreek Hill, Brandon Cooks, uh, hopefully Devontae Parker if he doesn't get injured again, and then Coleman might actually end up filling that spot for me um, if Witten, Witten and Cam, uh, Cameron break. So one of them will fill a tight end spot. The other one might end up in the other flex spot. So I, it gives me a little bit of flexibility uh, for matchups as, as we go along here. Hopefully hopefully he pans out. I'm a little worried about um, uh, Josh Gordon being able to come back for Cleveland as well. I think he's allowed to play starting week 13. Um, so if he ends up the apple of Heiser's eye, then that leaves Coleman a little bit out, out for me. You know, it's interesting you bring up Gordon because he's, he's you know, and I'll be quite honest with you, I, I've kind of written him off ever since 2014 and never really considered him. And I actually, because of peer pressure a couple of weeks ago, I ended up picking him up for cheap in a bunch of leagues just to see what happens. What do you think, I mean, are, is Cleveland, do you think that Cleveland brings him back? Do, do you think they give him a role? And do you think he's successful in that role those last few weeks of the season? Because that's championship sprint time. That's when everybody's looking for that edge, and Gordon certainly could provide that edge if things fall into place for him. He's a beast. He's focused. Um, from, from what I've seen on that, uh, he did a podcast or whatever it was. And the only thing is he hasn't played since, I think, 2014. So... There's a difference between being in shape now and being in football shape. I don't know what kind of impact he's going to be able to make that late in the season, uh, but certainly worth a roster spot to find out. That's for damn for. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely be paying attention to that. That'll be a, a storyline to follow the last few weeks of the season. Um, let's talk about those two receivers uh, on this team that you alluded to earlier, Brandon Cooks and Tyreek Hill. They've certainly had some pretty massive games already this season, but they've also had uh, some pretty quiet games, you know, games that left a lot to be desired. But these are the type of high ceiling, um, you know, low floor guys that a lot of people like to have on their team. Now, do you feel as a guy who owned Doug Baldwin last year, uh, you know, who won 250 grand with Doug Baldwin last year? Is it more important to get these guys early, like Cooks and Hill, rather than Baldwin or Fitzgerald? You know, kind of these, uh, you know, steady Eddie type guys that that have the the medium ceiling, the medium floor. When you're trying to win uh, a, a two hundred fifty thousand dollar grand prize, and then just sort of fill in those steady Eddie receivers in the middle drafts, is it more important to get those high ceiling guys early? I think, with in the in the respect of to Cooks and Baldwin. Baldwin was going in usually the late second round, or if you were fortunate, getting him early in the third. Um, so for me, it was take Cooks now or take Baldwin now, but I'm not going to get both of them. Um, and I had Cooks on my sheets rated higher. 
So I went that route uh, with between those two. And then um, Tyreek Hill, I just had good feelings about it. I thought he was going to have a good year. Uh, he's doing pretty good for me now. It, he seems to be up and down, though, like you said. He's 20-some points first week, and then the next week he's got eight, and then he's got 20, and then he's got six, and then he's got 17. and So he's up and down all over the board. Um, but I had him. Again, I went with him uh, because I had him rated higher than Larry Fitzgerald. So that's the reason why I chose those two versus the other two. Yeah, and, you know, obviously I think that it's proof positive that you can win either way. I mean, you can win with these guys when they have those high-volume weeks, and then you can win with guys like, you know, like you said, like Doug Baldwin and Fitz, uh, you know, if you get them a round or two later uh, and then add those um, those other players uh, earlier, I, I think that that's a winning strategy too. It all depends upon, you know, how you're building your team. Uh, and I, I think it was proof positive of what we saw last year that, uh, you can definitely do it that way. I'm. Uh, I want to know, Mike. Uh, the biggest difference uh, that you experienced after playing in the Football Guys Players Championship last year. Obviously, you do a ton of satellites as well. The biggest difference when you moved up to to the main event this year. Did you notice anything significantly different in either the draft or or managing your your fab budget throughout the year and, and waivers? Uh, or did you find them quite similar? I found them very similar. The main difference literally to me was the amount that the main event cost versus the others. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I think, you know, going forward next year, I'm probably going to do, I'm planning on going out to Vegas. I, I wanted to do that this year. Uh, actually, interesting story, uh, real quick. The night, uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, and the night that the, the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, um, Sydney had just got the Conn Smythe Trophy, and he was just picking up the Stanley Cup. And I heard a rumble of thunder, and it was literally 90 degrees here that day, and there was no, not a cloud in the sky. So I started thinking, Baggio, that's a weird noise. Um, and I started thinking back to when I was in high school, and you would watch you know, kids do plays on stage, and when they wanted to replicate thunder and lightning, they would shake thin sheets of metal. And I'm like, uh-oh, that might have been the pool. And uh, sure enough, I go out, it's midnight, I got the flashlight, and I shine it on the pool, and the whole corner's buckled. Oh, my goodness. Come in the house, get my girlfriend. I said, you want to, I said, on a, on a, I know the Penguins just won the cup, and it's a good mood and everything for everyone, but uh, on, a, on a more somber note, the pool's gone. Uh, <laughs> you want to go out and take a look at it? And so we went outside. That whole, the whole, the, everything that I just transpired right there was about 90 seconds. By the time we went outside, the, the pool was empty. It went from full when I was out there when it buckled completely empty and all i could hear was fourteen thousand gallons of water rushing down through the uh, woods so instead i was coming out to vegas this year and uh, i had to put that on hold because i had to buy a new pool well I, i'll tell you what it's uh I, you obviously made the right call but it that <laughs> that's the first you know what's interesting is in vegas this year we had um Several people actually cancel, um, and we had to replace live main event players uh, in the FFPC because of the hurricane situation that was going on in the southeastern part of the country. But that would that would the pool issue definitely was was a a first and only for us. I think as far as um, you know, not being able to make it out for that. How is the pool now? Is it good? Yeah, I bought. I had to go buy a brand new one. Uh, the hole that was it made when it burst open was uh, probably about foot and a half to two feet high, probably by about five feet wide. And I'm just happy that nobody was in it because they would have got sucked right through there. Yeah. Uh, and the metal was rusted out pretty good, so they might have gotten 
injured pretty badly too. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, all's well that ends well, and, and uh, you know, thankfully he had some some cash laying around uh, to to get a new pool in there for sure. Um, let's uh, let's talk about um, fantasy benches right now because we we're past a lot of the buys. We still have some buy weeks coming up, but I think that the toughest weeks are behind us. There's going to be a lot of players that are already rostered in a lot of leagues right now, but pretty much glued to fantasy benches. Is there a guy in the main event or football guys, is there a guy that you think that people have on their bench in most leagues right now that they actually need to take a second look at getting into their starting lineup for what they're about to do down this uh, you know, final few weeks before the league playoffs start in those formats? Yeah, there, there's there's quite a few. Um, I don't think we've heard the last of uh, Ty Montgomery and Green Bay, um, and actually kind of proved that last night, um, getting out, out snap and Aaron Jones. Um, I think Corey Davis has an opportunity to be huge in the second half of the year. Uh, the the, uh, the opportunities there, the, the talents there, that's the combination you're looking for. Um, I think the JHI trade to Philadelphia. Uh, even though he's probably going to get less playing time, he's playing on a better offense with, uh, it seems like, uh, better game scripts and certainly a better offensive line. So I think he's going to be certainly better now than in Miami. Um, gee, there's Charles Clay from um, Buffalo. Uh, even though that they, they picked up Calvin Benjamin, I think he's still going to be an asset as a tight end. Uh, Tyrod Taylor loves to throw to him. Um, right now, we don't have any clarity on Ezekiel Elliott, so Alfred Morris or Darren McFadden, if he's sitting on people's benches, they could end up being huge. Um, C.J. Fedorowicz should be coming back, and I think now that Watson's out, Savage is probably going to use the tight end more than, than uh, Watson was doing. And then I even think uh, Jeremy Macklin from um, Baltimore, uh, assuming that his shoulder, if he heals up through it, because I know he left the game the other day, uh, but he does have the bye week coming up. If him and... Um, Flacco can stay healthy. Um, they should be able to probably get you 10, 15 points, which is a nice spot to have in a flex. And then maybe even Curtis Samuel down in uh, Carolina. Um, I end up panning out now that he's got the opportunity with Benjamin gone. Yeah, a lot of good names there to keep in mind for sure. That uh, you know, I think a lot of people when they're looking for you know somebody in a pinch, you can you can uh, roll the dice with those guys. Fedora, which is an interesting guy too, because obviously with the tight end premium format, he's He's much more valuable in the, in the FFPC uh, than, than he is a, in a lot of other spots. And I've seen him the last week or two, uh, he got picked up quite a bit. He's actually still out there in quite a bit of leagues, too, so that's uh, definitely a guy to keep in mind. On the flip side, there is uh, a lot of bad fantasy stuff going on in Denver. Uh, poor quarterback play from Trevor Simeon and uh, Brock Osweiler has certainly trickled down to the rest of the team. You saw what happened. Uh, this past weekend against Philadelphia, really Demarius Thomas was the only person uh, that was worth their salt in that game. I mean, I don't even know if, if you can count on Thomas doing what he did going forward, given that you know a good chunk of it, including his touchdown, was in garbage time. So you look at the Broncos and, and what they have down the stretch, Mike. Is there anybody worth starting on that team right now, or is the offense there just completely toxic until we see some semblance of life? Um, I, if I have Demarius Thomas on my teams, um, I'm sticking with him and, and riding that out. Uh, he certainly, he's got the targets. He had 12 of them um, just this past week, so I still think he's going to be okay. Uh, and then Emmanuel Sanders, to a lesser degree, uh, might be one more I play week to week, I think, because he has an opportunity. Other than that, the, 
the running back situation is something I'd certainly want to avoid. Uh, the quarterbacks pretty much uh, are said there's nothing there that I would want uh, in terms of my lineup. And even the defense isn't playing up to par because I think they're on the field too much. I actually cut them in one of my leagues to pick up uh, Minnesota or Buffalo, or I can't even remember who it was. Uh, maybe it was Detroit because I like their schedule going forward for the playoffs. But, yeah, I, other than Thomas and maybe Sanders to a lesser degree, I don't see anything in Denver. Yeah, it's 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 tough to uh, tough to watch right now. It's it's very very difficult to uh, to you know garner any kind. Of, and I have DT in a bunch of leagues, and I'm still rolling him out there. But man, I don't feel great about it. It's just I'm just hoping that the targets you know continue to be there no matter who the quarterback is. And and uh, as long as that keeps up, then hopefully he'll be churning out some value. Uh, Mike, it has been awesome talking to you uh, this week here on the on the high stakes lowdown. The last question. Before I let you go, uh, a player that was drafted relatively high this season that, that you're ready to give up on or perhaps have already given up on because of poor play or poor performance. And conversely, a guy that um, that you will be targeting on the waiver wire this week. And disclaimer, I say this every week. The show comes out on, uh, this will be Thursday morning when people are listening to this. So you can spill your secrets here because nobody's going to hear it uh, until after the waiver deadline has passed. So I actually... Um... Not, not necessarily so much tar- somebody I targeted that's going to be on the bench, but I think about half the draft picks from rounds one and two uh, from the drafts this year, or at least most of the drafts I did this year, have been about average or worse. Uh, if, if you look at uh, Julio Jones, has been below average. Jay Ajay, uh well below average to this point. Zeke may get suspended. David Johnson's a bust. He's out for the year. Adele Beckham's out for the year. Mike Evans got suspended for a week. He's been average. AJ Green, AJ Green's up and down. Uh, Baldwin's up and down. DeMarco Murray's definitely a bust. Devontae Freeman's been average. Jordy Nelson has no Aaron Rodgers now. Aaron Cooper, uh, Amari Cooper had one good week. Des Bryant's below average. Michael Thomas hasn't been up to par. Uh, even Christian McCaffrey in Carolina's was usually a low second round pick and I don't even necessarily know that they're really know what they have in him and using him the right way. And uh, going forward, even beyond that, I think that in rounds three, four and five were probably even worse as far as misses went in the draft. Um, but as far as waiver claims, I don't really have anybody. Everybody seems pretty well educated um, that I've been playing against and everything seems to get more competitive each year and, uh, most of the leagues that I'm in, um, the, they're barren of, of any real difference makers that you can find. Um, but, uh, you know, injuries never stop. So you don't know who's next and when that's going to be. And then the next guy gets to step up and all of a sudden you've got a title on your hand. You know, like a Tolbert, for example, in Buffalo, if McCoy goes down. Yeah, Tolbert's an interesting guy. <clears throat> you know, I, I have McCoy, I think, on two two or three teams this year and I actually picked up Tolbert in in all of those leagues and I actually picked him up in a couple other leagues just as like a a 20th guy just to see you know what happens because they've been riding McCoy pretty hard uh in Buffalo this year and it'll be interesting to see what happens if he were to go down uh how valuable Tolbert uh would be but certainly a guy to keep in mind make a great point about uh all those you know those first and second round picks these these are supposed to be the backbone of your team and they, yeah. they certainly have not been that, uh, by and large, this year for many of them. Uh, it, it might be one of those things where we look back on, you know, whoever wins these, these grand prizes this year. It, they, 
they will have had two things in common. They, they will have gotten lucky on a couple of players, and they will have made better start-sit decisions and better waiver decisions, um, you know, with the strategy that goes into that uh, than everybody else. I, I think that's going to be very crucial this year with so much of the, you know, the first few four or five rounds of the draft that you had so many letdowns. You really had to do your homework on drafting, and you really had to do your homework on lineup setting for sure. Uh, it's going to be crucial this year. You already did it last year, man, so you know uh, what it takes to win uh, $250,000 grand prizes. You took down the <clears throat> excuse me, the FPC last year. We'll have to see what uh, what you can do this year as far as repeating, and then also the main event. Uh, you have a team in the top 60. So, Mike, best of luck to you the rest of the way. Thanks for coming on the show. Hopefully the ball's bounce your way this weekend man good luck uh, in all of your leagues well, thank you eric i appreciate it thank you for listening to the high stakes lowdown a rotoviz podcast brought to you by the fantasy football players championship and thanks to grapes for our theme music please review the podcast on itunes under the rotoviz radio feed it helps us find new listeners Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.